Okay? Sean, I promise I will not do any lessons or remarks about climbing trees and cutting limbs down. And if you want to know what that's about, talk to Sean. So, anyway, it's good to be with you. So, how many of you have been to the movies lately? A few of you have. You know, at the beginning of the movies, there's always commercials, right? They get settled in and all that kind of stuff. Here's your commercials for the day. I have stuff up here on the front pew. So, for those of you who never make it up to the front of the auditorium, for any purpose, if you want this stuff, you've got to come up here and get it. So, I know it's May, but... You can always use a calendar. So if you don't have our children's homes calendar, these are up here. So come get those. Um, there's ink pens up here. Um, how many of you got bags of chips at home being held closed by clothes pins? Okay, there's a support group for you. But I have chip clips up here. So you can use those clips for what they're supposed to be for. And then I think I've given you these before. We have fans. Um, I told them this morning I got these for two reasons. Number one, when I go to churches, I got tired of funeral homes waving back at me because all the churches had funeral home fans. But these are also for Sean's purpose, okay? Or Oren's purpose. The next time they get a little hot under the collar when they're preaching to you and start stepping on toes, you just pick up these fans and start fanning. And you just send them a message to calm it down. So, uh, but that's why I don't give them to you now because that way you can't fan at me. So, anyway, it's good to be... I always enjoy coming this, to Summers Avenue, especially in May, and um, I think they just pretty much know the first Sunday in May is just booked on my calendar for as long as I get to be at children's homes and as long as y'all will continue to have me come down to help kick off Change for Children. Um, let me begin by thanking you for what you have done and how you have grown your Change for Children at this congregation. Um, it hadn't been that many years ago that y'all weren't doing much at all. And last year, y'all were our top, one, one, our, I guess, third of all of our churches that do change for children with the money that you collected. And so that's great growth on your part and commitment on your part. And so we thank you so much uh, for doing that. I will begin this morning as I always begin. And let's see if we can get this to work. Do I? Oh, there it goes. You know the verse. I always start with it just to remind you. You have a lot of wonderful children here. I've already been around to see a lot of them this morning. If I missed you this morning to the kids, I've got a special ink pen for you. If you see kids that have got one and you don't have one, come find me after church and I'll give those to you. We just got to remember in our world today, our children are gifts to us from God. And with every gift God gives to us, He expects us to be good stewards of that gift. Our world will have a chance if we will invest time in our children. And if we will help them learn what is important in life and who we follow and why we follow God. And if we can do that with our children, then the generations that come will be different, I hope. And our world will start to see a little bit of change. Because we, as the people who have been entrusted with these gifts, are doing our part in being responsible people in the care of God's children. Because when we do that... We get to see happy children, children who love to smile, children who love life. Yeah, there's still going to be difficulties and trials in life, but even in those difficulties and trials, they have a good foundation in life, and that goes a long way in helping our children grow into responsible people, people who are going to lead the church one day and lead our world, and we must do well. This morning I want to spend some time in worship just about children's homes in general, and then we'll wrap it up with some thoughts at the end to extend the invitation. Just a brief history for us. 
for those who don't know. Children's Home started in 1955 by the Seventh and Muller Church of Christ in Paragould, a church not unlike yourselves, who just practices pure religion and still to this day does that same thing. We are very, very tied to the church, and you know that. We think it's important for us to be tied to the church for our kids to see God is our foundation in everything that we do at children's homes. That's why you also know that it's very important for us that the eldership of the Seventh Mole Church of Christ still sits at our board of directors to give us the opportunity every time we meet to remind ourselves and focus on the spiritual direction of what we do and who we are at children's homes because we are in every sense of the word a ministry of the Lord's church practicing that pure religion that we are called to do through the Scriptures. It's important for us to maintain those ties with the church. And because of that, all of our people who work at children's homes, they're all members of the churches of Christ. Wherever you go, with our employees, our foster parents, our adoptive families, they're all members of the churches of Christ so we can present a consistent view of God to these children. These children have come from enough confusion in their lives. We want to minimize the confusion and give them a view of God that wherever they go within children's homes, they get that same view. We have kids that start out with us in our residential program in Paragould and then move into foster care from there and then move on into adoptive homes. So it's important for us that every facet of who we are, God is present. God is consistent. And because of that foundation of us, the one thing we always remind you, that's the reason we don't take government money. Because we are not going to compromise who we are. We are not going to compromise our ability and our privilege to talk about God to these kids. To bring God into the conversation. It's a very important thing. And why is it important? Because of this right here. I want you to meet Jessica, Hunter, Sean, and Michaela. Four young children in the last four months who have been baptized in Jesus Christ who have now started their walk with God. That's the underlying purpose of why we are there, is to show these kids about God and help them build that relationship with God the Father and then to choose to be baptized into Jesus Christ to wear the name of Christian and begin their Christian walk. Because if we don't do that, we could do everything in the world for these kids, but if we don't spend the time teaching them about God, I think we failed. Because we've not given them the one thing in life that lasts for eternity. And it's so very important that we spend the time necessary to make sure these kids have the opportunity to see God and to build that relationship with Him. You know that we have a lot of programs at children's homes. The program you hear most about is our residential program in Paragould, our main campus where we have our learning center and different programs that are designed to help these kids get out of where they are, to get out of the difficult situations, to deal with poor choices in their lives, to help them get back onto a better path in life so that these kids can leave us prepared and equipped to become productive members of society. Not a drain on society. And so what you see on the screen, there are a lot of programs that are listed up there. Our Balcom Learning Center, Wilderness Therapy, Equine Therapy, 4-H, All these programs are helping these kids deal with different things in their lives that need help. We have programs dealing with group therapy for grief and addiction. Most of these kids come from seeing some pretty horrific things in their life. They're products of divorce. 
They're products of domestic abuse in the home between moms and dads. They're products of being the victims of abuse by people who are supposed to be caring for them. They deal with grief. They deal with addictions. These kids come having dealt with drugs and alcoholism. We have a lot of kids on our campus right now that are self-harmers. Your kids that are in school right now know what I'm talking about when I talk about self-harmers. But a lot of those things we have to deal with with these kids. It's not sometimes just about giving them a warm bed and a full belly. There are so many other things that we have to help them get over and past so that they can begin to see a future out there because we've effectively dealt with what goes on when they came to us at children's homes. The programs you probably know less about, well, y'all know more about them because you, you witnessed this here at Summers Avenue, is our foster care program in Arkansas and in Missouri as well, and then our adoptive program that we have. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. For those who have never been to Paragould, to our campus there, these are just some pictures of who we are, our buildings there. You'll see on the right side of the screen we have ten family homes on our campus. We try to be a neighborhood. Uh, we, don't, we try not to look industrial or business-like, but we try to be just a neighborhood of homes. We have a lot of people in Perryville that drive by our campus a lot, and if it weren't for a sign on the road, they'd never know we were there. They just look at us as just kind of a neighborhood with streets there, and we kind of like it that way, for the kids to have their places to play just in that kind of family environment. Our main, our, the building you see on the top left is our, uh, the learning center that we have on our campus, which is kind of a hub of most of the activities that we have on our campus. You also see there our administration building there. If you've had any dealings with Cindy Barnett with Change for Children or Honor Memorial Giving or Gary Cup in Development, that's where all of our offices are as well. We also have programs outside of our main campus. Uh, a few minutes from our campus, we have the Emmett Smith Memorial Farm. Uh, this is the farm that we use for all of our equine therapy, our 4-H programs. Um, this is where we have our big garden where we're growing fresh fruits and vegetables uh, through the year for our kids. Um, this is a great program. These kids are learning a lot by working with animals. And they're also being honored for working with these animals. They show these animals in county fairs and district fairs and state fairs. Uh, and they get rewarded for the places that they have the, the ribbons they win. We've had kids that have come to the State Fair here in Little Rock showing their chickens and have won scholarship money to the University of Arkansas because of how high they have placed. Uh, just a few weeks ago, we had two girls that won grand champion and reserve grand champion with their chickens at a show in Jonesboro. And they get money for that. And we, uh, we had a strengths and services banquet on our campus earlier this, this past week. And one of the girls from winning grand champion got a big old huge belt buckle from 4-H to wear. And so they get little rewards like that, and that's kind of neat for them to have those things out there. We also have, about 15 minutes from our campus, a 320-acre ranch. Uh, I've, I've told you before, this is kind of a working ranch for us. We have hay production on it. We have cattle production on it. We actually produce all of the uh, chicken and the, the pork and, and beef that we consume at children's homes. Um, we also have stocked ponds out there. The kids can go fishing out there. We do trail rides out there with a youth camp in the summer or just in general with the kids. Um, how many of you have ever heard of foot golf? I don't know if I've ever told you all about if you all have any foot golf courses around here. We actually have a foot golf course, the first one in northeast Arkansas at the ranch. If you like soccer but you like putt-putt, put those two together. And that's kind of what it is. And you've you got big fairways and big holes and you're kicking a soccer ball around trying to get it in the hole instead of a little a golf club and a, and a little golf ball. And so that's a great thing for our kids to use. We also have a lot of people that rent that out for birthday parties and school trips 
and all those kinds of things. This has been a great addition to what we do at children's homes because it gives these kids a place to go and just be kids in a setting that's kind of fun for them that they've never been at before. Um, to see these kids go fishing for the first time is pretty fun. How many of you have ever seen the episode of Andy Griffith? The early, the, I guess it's the very first episode when Aunt B comes and Opie, she can't do anything and, and so Andy takes her fishing and her pole is up out of the water and Andy's like, you know, Opie's like, why, why is her bait not in the water? And he said, well, she's used to big fishing with the fish jump out of the water and, and she gets scared when the fish comes out and she throws the fishing pole in the That's what some of these kids do the first time they go fishing. They've never done it before. You know, they see cattle and think it's a horse. I mean, they don't know. And so it's really neat to see them kind of get acclimated to our environment at children's homes through these different programs that we have. Uh, next to, well, let me tell you about this real quick. I don't, I don't want to overlook this. I said something about education. Um, we are putting a lot more emphasis on education at children's homes, of continuing education when our kids graduate from high school. We work very, very diligent to make sure every child who comes into our care gets a high school diploma. We think that is a necessity. We think that's a huge necessity. But we also know that for a lot of kids, they can go on and do secondary education somewhere else. They can go on to college. But I will tell you, not every child is made for college. And I've probably told you before, that's okay. Because our communities are filled with people who don't have college diplomas, but they offer valuable services that you and I require every single day. And they make good livings and they provide for their families and they're productive members of society. Some of these kids, that's the track they go. Whatever that is, however they want to go, we work to try to help them do that. And we now have a scholarship program designed to help them do that. I can't remember if I've told you before, Randy Pixler is a senior at Harding University. I think Randy is scheduled to graduate in December. Randy was one of those kids that came to us in residential care. He transitioned into our foster care program. When he graduated from high school, he came to Harding to, to get his college degree. He's now getting close to graduation from Harding University. So last year, well, for this year we're finishing up a freshman at Harding University, incoming freshman living on campus, $27,000. Randy is going to graduate from Harding University with zero debt. Zero. Now, yes, he's eligible for some funding out there because of his situation of being an at-risk kid. But also with the fact that our scholarship program every year is providing money to help bridge the gap between what he's getting in funding to what he needs in funding to cover his academic career. Randy's going to graduate from college and be able to not have to worry about student loans and things like that, but leave and go right to work and not be strapped with a lot of debt. That's an important thing for us to be able to do. For kids that want to go to be a welder or a beautician or get a two-year certificate to be a nurse or whatever, we've got programs and technical and training schools that we can help those kids go to to see those skills and see that through to help them find their path in life and not continue, as I mentioned before, to be a drain on society. This program is helping us do that. and We've had a lot of interest of people starting to give money to help endow this scholarship program out there so it's there for many, many years to come. And so we're thankful for the people that are investing and sacrificing to get this program off the ground to help us educate these kids to leave us prepared to go. I've told you before about our clothing and food center. If you've never been on our campus to see it, this is it. So the, 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 the 
groceries that you collect on the food room for the food room when the truck comes around. This is where it goes. And they go into the grocery side of it. This is where our house moms shop every week to get groceries. Looks like a little Walmart, doesn't it? Because all the shelving came from Walmart. But it's a great facility for us to have for the house moms. The clothing side of it is this here. Now then our kids, as I've said before, now you're getting to see the pictures of it. They don't deal with garbage bags anymore looking for clothes. They're all hung up and they're nice and compartmentalized. And they go and look through hangers of clothes just like you and I do when we go shopping for clothes. It's just an investment in them to help grow their value and their self-worth. And we're excited about this facility. A lot of people don't know that we own what's called the Ridge Retreat and Adventure Center in Paragould. It used to be Crowley's Ridge Youth Camp. We've rebranded it and changed its name. Uh, it's becoming a year-round retreat center for us. Um, we have great big cabins out there that we camp in. Um, we, we had to change this a few years ago to having all air-conditioned and heated cabins with indoor bathrooms because that's what the adults wanted. It wasn't what the kids wanted. The kids would rather stay in the old cabins that you pulled up garbage bags at night to keep the air out, you know, whatever. But we have these nice, wonderful cabins that we, that we use now. We have a really nice swimming pool out there that we built a few years ago. Uh, this is where all of our high and low rope elements are, uh, our long zip lines that we have uh, with our experiential learning programs we have at Children's Homes. They're all at the Ridge Retreat Center. Um, we have a lot of great scenic views. The picture on your left, that's from the bluff at the camp. The property you see all out in front of you, that's the ranch that we own at Children's Homes. We have a creek that's running between the two properties. You see that. We're excited about this. If we can get it to advance here real quick. This is, we're breaking ground on this right now. We're actually starting the dirt work of this as a new, of a new main building out at the Ridge Retreat and Adventure Center. Uh, a much larger facility for us. Uh, it's going to have a big arbor on the back of it with a fire pit in it. Uh, the dining area alone is bigger than what our old main building is, the whole thing included. And so this is going to be a great asset for us because we have a lot of groups. Harding brings a lot of groups to us. Fried Hardman brings a lot of groups to us. Community leaders, ASU brings groups up. Our local schools bring groups in. Our dining area is just not large enough to handle these crowds of people. Uh, so we're excited about getting this off the ground. Uh, the other great thing about it for it is it's, it's paid for. And so we're excited about having the money in hand to be able to get this done. Um, I tell you this to say, this is going to be a great facility to use for retreats, for youth retreats, for you know ladies' retreats. We're going to be doing some things on mother-daughter weekends, father-son weekends, couples weekends. We've already had our first couples weekend where we invite couples to come in to stay at the youth camp and, they, and we run the couples through our ropes course. That's kind of interesting to see husbands and wives go through the ropes course and learn how to trust each other all over again. You know, when you're standing on top of what's called a pamper pole, and if we go back a few slides, you'll see the guy that's it's leaping out in front of him, that's called a pamper pole. You want to know why it's called a pamper pole? You climb 35 feet in the air, stand on the top of a pole, there's a trapeze bar out in front of you. You've got a cable hooked onto your back and you jump and try to grab the trapeze bar. And if you don't grab the trapeze bar, they grab you, hold you, and lower you to the ground. It's called a pamper pole because they say you need to be wearing pampers when you jump off of it. <laughs> I have done it twice. And I agree. <laughs> it, it's rough. But it's exhilarating to do it. And so it's, to see couples learn to begin to trust each other, it, it changes a lot for their relationship. And so we're trying to do some things like that uh, out at the Ridge Retreat and Adventure Center. 
I wanted to get to this because y'all are such a big part of this with families that you have here. And that's our foster care program we have in the state of Arkansas and growing in Missouri. I think that we have the best foster families in the world. Our foster families are marvelous at being the hands and feet of God and taking kids into their homes who come from a lot of pretty horrific things that have happened to them and giving them loving families and giving them the opportunity to grow up in safety with their needs being met. It takes special people to do that. It takes special people to, who have their own children to bring children in their, into their families who aren't children by blood and blend them into your family and make it all work. It requires a lot of time. It requires a lot of patience. There's a lot of headaches with it. There's a lot of heartache with it. But as I tell people all the time, we have people that don't go into foster care because they say, oh, I could never do that. I could never have these children for a little bit and leave and let them go home to somebody else. It would just break my heart. I understand that. But I will also tell you that if they're with you for a week or they're with you for a month or six months or five years, you have the opportunity to love those kids and no amount of love, whether great or small, is ever wasted. It's never wasted. We have kids who have come to us in foster care and have stayed with us just a short period of time, only weeks, only months, but they were older, who have come back to us years later and told them that it was that one month or two months that changed their lives. It wasn't a lifetime of stuff. It was just those few moments where they were in a home where they were loved because God was present. We're always looking for families to open up their homes and their hearts to care for children, to give them a loving family to be involved with, to grow up with. And I think we do it well. Melinda Johnson is here somewhere. I know she's back here. There she is. Melinda's here. Melinda works in our office in Cersei. She's one of our, our foster care workers. And so you may have an interest. You may have some questions this morning about what we do with foster care. I know you've got families here to ask, but Melinda's here too this morning. And Melinda can answer questions for you as well. We have the, I think what we do is we provide a lot of families with the resources they need to be able to get this done. Because our staff is very, very available to them. One of the complaints that we hear a lot from families who have worked in other states or in the state of Arkansas even is they just never had any access to a caseworker. And I will tell you, I'm not blaming the state of Arkansas for that, so please don't hear that. What I do know is that our state, like every other state around us, is being overrun with children in its systems and our budgets aren't big enough and we don't have enough people to deal with this effectively. We're just blessed at children's homes to have a staff of people who are able to get to our families on a regular basis and see what's going on in their lives to provide that extra support for them. And I think that's why some of our families go to the next step. Because y'all know these kids, don't you? I have two great statistics at children's homes. The first one is, is those four kids who have been baptized in Jesus Christ in the last few months. My second one is, is that since the beginning of January 2017, we have had 23 children who came to us as foster children who found their forever families by being adopted by their foster families. Between now and the end of the year, if everything goes well, 
we will have nine more children who will find their forever families. May 23rd, if it all works well, we're hoping it all works together, I'll be in Fort Smith because I'm going to be over there anyway for the adoption of two kids and maybe four if the courts, if it all works together that day for all four of them to be adopted that day. I think that's just the most wonderful thing in the world. For these kids to come out of what they've come out of to get to a point where a family looks at them and says, we want you. For kids who have never really been wanted to have somebody who looks at them and loves them and wants them, not just now, but for eternity, for a lifetime. My word, how much more blessed can those children be? That's why I tell you, these people that come to us as foster parents, they are all in. They are all in people. They're not coming to do this because they get an extra paycheck every month through a boarding payment from us. They're coming to this because there's a child that needs someone. And they see themselves as being the someone that has the means and the opportunity and the love to give these kids the life they deserve. That's why I want to tell you about the Barkers. And we'll see if we can get this to switch. This is the Barkers. They live in Fort Smith, Arkansas. This is the family that I'll be over there for their adoption on May 23rd. You see the five kids standing in the background between the adults on the end. Those are their five biological children. The two kids in the front, Matthew and Isabella. Matthew and Isabella are now Barkers, and you see the happily ever after sign right there. Matthew and Isabella came to them as foster kids. And just like families you've got here, they just loved them so much, they just couldn't let them go. And they adopted them and went from five children to seven children. And on May the 23rd of this year, the Barkers are adopting two more kids, and they will go to nine children. I tell you this story about the Barkers because I want you to understand their heart as well as this is a good example of the heart of the people who do this ministry with us. One of the children that they're adopting came to us from a pretty horrific event that happened. And you've heard me talk about Baby D before. This is the family that's adopting Baby D. This is the family that is committing because of the injuries that Baby D has suffered at the hands of people who didn't love and care for him, that are committing a lifetime of doctor's appointments, a lifetime of surgeries to help Baby D have a life. I don't know of a lot of people who already know what the future is going to hold. They're willing to look at you and say, you know what? I don't care about the future. I just care about Him. And He needs us. And so whatever it takes, we're going to be there. We're going to be there. You've got families right here. I'd have them stand up, but they'd probably get mad at me. But you know who they are because you've seen the little ones running around here who become part of you. And you, therefore, now are an extension of us. Because just as the Millers and the Hollies and other families have brought these children into their lives, 
they're counting on you to walk alongside them and to help them and to work with them as they transition to a different phase in their lives that's for a lifetime. They're counting on you to be the hands and feet of God. They're counting on you to be God-like in everything that you do so that their children, as they grow up, they have the opportunity to not only see God in their home, but they have the opportunity to see God where they worship and in their Bible classes and in their neighborhood and their community of people. You see, this is not just about going to court one day and signing a paper and all of a sudden they have your last name. This is about a commitment for all of us to be the people God calls us to be in the presence of His children so that through us, they will see God. And because of us, they will begin their relationship with God. These families that come and do this, they sacrifice a lot. And so many times we talk about the moms and dads that do this, but you cannot forget about their own biological children who sacrifice in this too. They're sharing their moms and dads with more kids. And sometimes that gets hard. It makes it hard on moms and dads because they've got to spread their love out even more among more children. That's why I tell people, you know what? That family adopted that child. Not just that mom and dad, that entire family adopted that child. I saw a picture on Facebook of a closed group we have of a family over in Fort Smith that's going to adopt. And they were signing their final adoption papers. And she said in her post that all the kids wanted to sign the papers too because they all wanted to know that they were committed to adopting these brothers and sisters as well. It's a family thing. And so I tell you this morning, I hope you're thankful for the families here who've done what they've done. And I'm asking you to support them. To be there for them. To thank God for them daily. For being the hands and feet of God. And doing everything they can to take children and to turn them back into the blessings God intended them to be. You have a lot of ways that you can help us. You see a list up there on the screen. You know all these ways because you participate in pretty much all these ways. Whether it's change for children, whether it's food run, through honor and memorial giving, through many ways for us. And we thank you so much for doing that because we can't do it without you, don't want to do it without you. We see you as very, very valued partners in who we are at Children's Homes. You'll see up there at the bottom of the list, it says our trip to, and I think it just got cut off there. In June of this year, we're taking all the kids in care. You've helped us before this to Discovery Park of America in Union City, Tennessee. Uh, the couple who paid the admission for all of them, they're doing it again this year. But as you know, we try to give all the kids spending money to go for that day, to go to the gift shop, to buy things. It's really an educational place to go to. And so if you'd like to help us with that fund to help give the spending money to these kids, listen, we would certainly be thankful for that. We are thankful for everything that you do for us, and please know that. And you are always welcome to come to our campus, to come visit us. Just show up. We're always ready. We're always there. We're always home. And so you're more than welcome to come join us. And I hope that you will continue to pray for us. 
Pray for these families you have here, but pray for us. But more importantly, just pray for children, wherever they are, wherever they are. There's some pretty horrific stories out there of what is happening to children across our world. Things that Hollywood could not even write a movie about because they are so gruesome. And so what I ask you to do today is pray for two things. You pray for those children that someone will notice them. And that God will find someone to intervene in their lives to get them out of danger. And to get them to a place where they are loved. But also I ask you to pray for those kids right now at this very moment who will lose their lives at the hands of an abuser, at the hands of someone who doesn't care for them. To pray for them that they will be received in the open hands of God to spend eternity with Him. This morning as we close, how many of y'all think about death? Do you think about death? I think we probably think about it more when we have someone close to us who passes away. And we begin to wonder about what life is going to be. But you know we're all going to die. Scripture tells us that. It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. So I think we ought to think about it. Dwell on it. Fear it. No. But I think we ought to think about it. And the reason I think we ought to think about it is because I have a brochure here that I love and I'm going to pull some thoughts out of this as we close this morning. Because I think as we think about death, I think we need to think about what we are going to leave behind. It's important for us to think about the things that we have done on this earth and what we have left behind that will go on after we are gone. I get called upon from different times to participate in people's funerals because of people that I've had connections with at children's homes or, or whatever. In the last couple of years, I've presided over a funeral service for a gentleman from outside of St. Louis, Missouri, who was 86 years old. Another gentleman who was in his 90s. And I will tell you the thing that is consistent about these two men is that they didn't let their age and their ailments stop them from serving God. The one gentleman that was in his 90s, he was in an assisted living program. He couldn't drive anymore. He couldn't really get around well. So he spent his days at the computer in his 90s doing Bible lessons for people working with World Bible School, teaching Bible to people in other countries. Age is not a reason to stop serving God. And he didn't see it that way. But we also know that there are people who are taken from us way too young. Because death is no respecter of persons. So we must always be prepared. So in closing this morning, there's five things I want you to think about from this point forward about what you will leave behind. Number one, I think we need to leave behind a good name. A good name. 
A name that stays behind after we're gone that our family can be proud of because of how we lived our lives. What does Scripture talk about the value of a good name? What is it? It's greater than what? You can say it. It's far greater than rubies. There's importance with a good name. A name that is left to carry on after we're gone. A name that when people say that name, they think of godliness. They think of Christian living. We want to leave behind a faithful family by being responsible in the teaching of our family about God. Of making it a priority in our homes. And not something that we just occasionally do when we've got a few extra tight days or because it's a special holiday of the year. But it's a commitment to serving God. And not compromising God. And in doing so, we begin to teach our children the importance of God and build that faithful family that we leave behind. That when we're gone from this life, they will carry on with their service to God. We want to leave behind a strong church. A church that because we were there and because we were engaged in the work of that church, that church was better. And that church was able to go out there and minister to and evangelize to people in the community, in the state, in the country, in our world. Because we were engaged in doing that and not just coming to fill a pew, but we were actively getting our hands and feet dirty for the sake of the cross. We want to leave behind saved souls. We want to leave behind people that we invested our lives in and we taught them about God and we helped them understand the Bible so that they can begin their walk with God to then give them something to pass down in their family of a Christian heritage to their children and grandchildren to give them the opportunity to spend eternity with God. And the last thing we want to leave behind because of everything I've said is I think we want to leave behind a full eulogy. A full eulogy. You know, you go to the funeral and they stand up and there's always somebody that stands up and they read the eulogy of the family and their relatives and all that kind of stuff, but then they all spend time talking about that person and what they did in their lives. I don't think there's a person in this room who wants that day to come when there's nothing good to say. When we're not remembered for anything that we did. And especially not remembered for anything that we did in the work of the Lord's church. We want to leave behind The understanding that we were good people. We were godly people. And we worked in this life to work toward God. It was not something that just happened as it just happened by in life. That we were fully engaged and we were working toward heaven. Does that make you think of anybody in Scripture? 
It makes me think of the passage from 2 Timothy 4 for Paul's valedictory speech. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day and not to me only, but to all those who loved His appearing. This morning as we close, are you fighting the fight? Are you fighting the fight? The war that's being waged in our world today for our souls? Are you keeping your faith? Are you strong in who you are and strong in what you are doing? Are you prepared at whatever moment that God decides to call you home? Are you prepared to go with God? This morning, if you're not, don't waste this opportunity. Don't waste this opportunity. You are promised no more than this moment in this life. I know we think a lot about it. I'll tell you what I've changed who I am too a little bit. When you see the reports on news of people walking into our safe places of our churches and opening fire with a gun, nobody who came into that church building that morning expected to not leave that church building. But we're only promised this moment. Don't wait. And don't be lost. There is no problem too big that God can't handle. There is no problem too big in your life that this family here at Summers Avenue cannot walk with you and carry you if needed to carry you through those difficult moments onto the other side. That what it takes is you is you making the decision. Today's the day. The time is now. To begin my walk with God through being baptized into Jesus Christ. To let it go in the sins that keep me separated from God and burdened down in this life. Now's the time. If we can help you this morning in any way, would you come as we stand together and sing?